0: Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. Got some exciting recruiting news to jump into. Uh, So we're going to do that here in the second half of the podcast. And in this first half of the podcast, we're going to get into some team news, some team thoughts, uh, with ACC Media Days happening earlier this week, and some unfortunate news regarding... Uh, One of Miami's former players, I guess, Avante Williams. Uh, So, Gabby, let's just jump into, let's get the bad news over with, I guess, first here on the podcast. Avante Williams, uh, who is a second-year freshman, or is going to be a second-year freshman going into this 2021 season, a member of the uh, 2020 recruiting class. I think he was the number two overall safety in the country for that cycle, according to the composite ranking, uh, a top 50 player in the country, very talented player. Um, He impressed during the spring after being held out due to undisclosed medical reasons during the fall. So he was cleared in the spring. He impressed, uh, was getting plenty of first team reps. And I think he would have pushed for a starting job game one against Alabama, uh, but unfortunately, Avante Williams was uh, booked and arrested for allegedly uh, roughing up his ex-girlfriend that I guess he, he was living with and was 31 weeks pregnant with his uh, baby, um, so he was arrested, taken to jail uh, late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning, The uh, university released a statement essentially saying Avante was suspended from all team activities. Um, That was basically an opportunity for Miami to to continue gathering facts on what happened. And it's pretty clear once those facts were gathered during the course of the day and Miami kind of understood what was going on in that situation, they decided to dismiss him from the team uh, early Thursday evening. So um, let's just start here, Gabby. And you know, I I don't think we need to go into this stuff, but you know some more behind the scenes details, I guess, just more in-depth things about what took place. And, um, you know, it's tough to excuse any of it, right? Can't overlook any of it. But just knowing what we know in addition to What's kind of already out there in the various police reports, et cetera. Uh, I guess the the best way to start this discussion is: Did Manny Diaz make the right call by dismissing him? In your opinion?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think he did. Uh, I, I just, I mean, I mean, you kind of hinted at it, David. Like, I, I know a cop that like works here, like you know, in like the south South Miami. Well, like not like South Miami, like West Kendall area around there which is where the incident sort of took place and yeah, I don't want to get too much into it, but you know, just some of the details of, you know, what he sort of told me went down after hearing the call and all that stuff, like directly, like the, like the, you know, the actual like transcript of the call and all that stuff and listening to it. And yeah, I I think that this was an easy decision by my, by Manny Diaz. Um, You know, it's just certain things that just aren't excusable. And, you know, I think you always have to keep that that lenience in terms of just like, you know, he is a young kid and you hope that he does learn from this mistake and, you know, eventually moves on and is able to sort of hopefully, you know, maybe one day play football again. But right now, um, you know, there's just absolutely no reason to keep him. Um, you know, I, I, just, I just couldn't. Like, it's, a, it's a very unfortunate situation. And yeah, you just hope that everyone involved is OK and that, you know, Um, I I think that there's a chance that he potentially serves like jail time. So, you know, if some of these charges are true and based on what one of my buddies told me, so uh, yeah, it's very serious what happened. And, uh, you know, I think we need to just, you know, continue just keeping our thoughts and prayers with the, with the victim and, you know, with Avante and, you know, hoping that he eventually turns us, turns us around and learns from this, you know, tragic event.
0: Yeah. And you know, look, uh, this is bigger than football, right? This is a football and recruiting podcast. This, this situation is a real-life situation. And again, like you said, there's no excusing what Avante did. Like you said, hopefully he can get the help he needs to, to deal with these issues. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, the, the victim is, is okay and, and the family can, can move on as well with, with the kids in that situation. Uh, but yeah, I agree. It, it, it's the right call, right? And the only reason, if we're being real, the only reason it is a debate at all is because Avante is such a talented player, right? Um, but, but I think if, if Avante wasn't as talented as he is, this wouldn't be a debate because the situation is so serious. Yeah. And so from that regard, I think you have to respect the decision Manny Diaz made and, and the athletic department made. Um, I mean, look in general, no player, I would say no coach, no person is bigger than the program. And, you know, when, if you decide to, you know, keep players that, that have these type of, of incidences, then you're, you're kind of sending a message to the athletic department, to the, um, team that this player in a sense is bigger than the program. And so Manny Diaz is trying to build the right type of culture at Miami. I think he has done that. I think in general, right. You know, over the past 20 years, Miami has done a nice job of limiting of not having these types of off field incidences pop up, uh, you know, compared to uh, the other in-state schools, if we're being frank. Right. So, um, this isn't a good look for the program, etc., cetera, et cetera. Again, hopefully Avante gets, gets the help he needs, um, you know, with, with understanding how to deal with, with conflict with, with tough situations. So, um, let's move on just and discuss this real quickly, Gabby, from a football standpoint, right? Um, you know, I think, so in my opinion, Gabby, I think if. Uh, just from a football standpoint, if the hurricanes had a safety duo of Bubba Bolden and Avante Williams in 2021, to me, that would have been in the, the discussion of being one of the best safety duos in the country.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so losing Avante does hurt that, right. But Miami does return veterans with plenty of game experience, plenty of starts in their past in Gervin hall. And I think Amari Carter too. Amari, I think is going to bounce back and forth between safety and striker this year. So they still have him as an option. They also still have uh, former five-star recruit, James Williams, who is a, a freshman, uh, but a highly talented player as well. Just in general, Gabby, how do you feel about the safety position now, you know, compared to when you thought Avante was on the team, right? Uh, prior to this incident compared to what you think of the position now.
1: Yeah. I I mean, it hurts. It hurts um, that you lose a talent like that. Like you mentioned, David, I I would agree, man. Like, you know, I think Avante and Boba Bolden would have been one of the strongest safety duos in in the country. Like, you know, I I would put them up there with basically anybody, honestly. And um, you know, losing Avante definitely hurts, but you know, I guess if there was a unit where you sort of lose a guy like that, I guess you I guess you would probably point to safety and be like, you know, this is a, a spot that they might be able to recover at, uh, you know, again with Gervin Hall there with, you know, potentially Amari Carter and, you know, even, even like a Brian Balaam who, you know, sure. showed show, like you showed up sometime uh, last year as a true freshman and, and flashed some good things. So, you know, and then, I mean, you consider the fact that you do have James Williams, you know, like a guy like that who maybe you might've, I, I, I honestly, I think this kind of pushes him a little bit forward. Right. And in terms of just like when we're, we should expect to see him on the field too. And, you know, I think that that could be a good thing because, you know, I think James Williams is obviously that type of talent where, you know, he was ranked the number one safety in the country last year and six, five over 220 pounds, like really just a freak athlete. Uh, They don't really just make those guys like that. So I think it'll be interesting that, you know, James Williams will probably get uh, additional reps, you know, earlier playing time and, uh, You know, I think again, big picture. I think that you know James Williams getting some of those experience could ultimately help out. Um, So you know, again, it's I think it's a I think it's a terrible like you know it's it's a crappy loss. You never want to you never want to lose a guy like Avante Williams, but they I think they got some bodies out there to sort of recover and hopefully bounce back.
0: I so I would have predicted at this you know let's assume Avante was still on the team, right? I would have predicted. Avante and Bubba as the starting safeties against Alabama. Would you agree with that? Yeah,
1: definitely.
0: Now I, I would project, uh, Bubba and Gervin hall. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. Okay. Which, you know, Gervin, I, for whatever reason, he, he got a little bit off track last season. Uh, you know, there was rumors uh, that he was dinged up with, with minor injuries that he was kind of playing through direct throughout the year. So hopefully he's healthy. gets back on track and can kind of show some of his talent that he did flash. I think as a sophomore in 2019, uh, so we will see what the duo of Bubba Bolden and Gervin hall can get done uh, game one against Alabama. So let's move on to the other team kind of centric topic here. ACC kickoff ACC media days happened uh, for the Miami hurricanes on Wednesday. Um, You had Manny Diaz, you had Derek King, you had Bubba Bolden and Mike Harley all meeting with various media outlets, um, you know, giving a lot of time, giving a lot of quotes, giving some insight into the mindset and just where the team is at going into this 2021 season. Let's just keep this broad, Gabby, because there's a lot of different things we could touch on, but I'll let you take it first. What do you feel like was kind of the biggest thing you learned from a Miami perspective um, from the ACC media days?
1: Yeah, um, you know, I think the, the low-hanging fruit is just the fact that De'Air King, I really fully feel like he's going to be 100%. But uh, aside from that, uh, you know, I really liked, like, you know, just listening to Bo Bolden and Mike Harley talk, uh, you know, especially on that radio show with Joe Rose in the morning. Uh, just kind of hearing them talk about like the mentality of the team and just like sort of like the way that they're especially all the guys that came back are sort of approaching the 2021 season um, I think I think it's a I mean I think that's sort of the way you want to you want to build it you know I think that's the the reason why you want to have veteran guys on your roster because they are coming in with like that mentality where it's just like you know it's it's sort of put up or shut up time and they're already just sort of like you know really make big things happen in 2021 so I think it's a It's a good group of guys that are really approaching the 2021 season in the right way. So, you know, I, I came away pretty excited about, you know, some of the things that those guys were saying.
0: I agree. I think, you know, I think this team has the right approach. It's probably of all the teams I've covered, which is going back to 2007 and who knows what this is worth in terms of wins and losses. Right. But in terms of having a pro mentality, in terms of being all about accountability um, self-motivated teams like older, just more mature teams. This is probably the most mature team going into a season, um, that I've seen so far covering Miami. So again, we'll see how that pays off at the end of the day in terms of wins and losses, but I do think ultimately it will prove to be a good thing. Um, my point, and this is kind of getting in the, in the weeds, I guess, but I did find this interesting, And I've heard various people kind of hint at this behind the scenes, quite frankly, um, at Miami, when talking about the linebacker play, right? So I think the linebacker play is a clear question mark for this team going into the season. And we will see if Miami does have any answers there. But Manny Diaz on his own brought up that, yes, there are questions about the linebackers those are valid, et cetera. But he also said he has similar types of questions about the defensive tackle position. And, you know, at first that that comment might make you scratch your head because the defensive tackles last year, yes, they were inconsistent, but they were still much better overall than the linebacker play. But I think what Manny Diaz is trying to get across there is there is a, domino effect in terms of if the defensive tackles play at a consistent level, play at a high level, it will then in part make the linebacker play much improved, much, much more consistent in general. Right. So I think he, he knows that he has more talent at the defensive tackle spot. And so if he puts the pressure on them to improve, it will in turn that alone will help the linebackers play at a higher level. And, um, in addition to the linebacker group needing to improve anyways. Right. So I found that interesting and just also like behind the scenes, you know, I know Miami's very high on Jess Simpson in general, his ability to coach and develop. I think there was some factors last year, you know, with coach Stroud and his, um, his health issues that, that he has to work through, right. And having to coach during a COVID season, I think that made things tough there in terms of making sure the defensive line was always on the same page, uh, with, with assignments and what to do, particularly against teams that, uh, run the RPO at a high level. And we saw that, you know, in particular against North Carolina, where, the defensive line was not all on the same page in defending the RPO. And it was very easy for the Tar Heels to break through that first level of the defense in terms of a rushing attack. And, you know, that left the linebackers and a lot of the back seven in general just on islands in space, having to make very difficult tackles in space um, against NFL caliber running backs in addition to just poor play in general, poor angles, poor, poor effort, poor tackling, it just kind of snowballed. So I found it interesting that, you know, Manny Diaz is putting a lot on that defensive tackle group. I think if you look at, so 2016, 2017, 2018, Miami had very good defensive tackle play, right? Uh, RJ McIntosh, Kendrick Norton, Gerald Willis, Um, I think 2019, you could make that argument with when they would kick inside Greg Rousseau inside a lot, um, that, that he was an impactful interior defensive lineman. I think Nesta flashed last year, but I don't think that consistency was there. So he needs to be more consistent. John Ford in general needs to just be better than, than he showed. Um, and I know people behind the scenes are really, really high on Jared Harrison hunt, uh, taking a big step forward this year and Leonard Taylor, you know, I think he's a freak freshman. We'll see if he can crack the playing rotation, tough to do at that defensive tackle spot for a young player at the college level. But I think he's special. And if there is a type of guy that can do it and make an impact, it's him. So the linebacker situation kind of is what it is, but in a way, what Manny was saying in terms of, look, if the defensive tackle play is better, that will in turn just help the linebackers alone. I agree with that. Did you pick up on Manny saying any of that?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's a, I mean, I think it makes sense too, just in terms of just like how you, I mean, just like, again, I, just kind of just to echo what you're saying, like, you know, the defensive line steps up. I feel like that opens things up. And then you consider the fact that, you know, a lot of these guys are coming, like you're getting the whole unit back. Like these guys are ideally a year better, right? Like Corey flag, yeah. uh, you know, even like, let's say a Wayman Steed or, you know, one of those guys. And let's say an Avery Huff really puts it all together too. So I think there's some talent back there that, you know, again, if all oh, that, that just that front seven sort of comes all together, I think it could definitely help out.
0: So also it was announced Miami will begin preseason camp on August 6th. So that's going to be when the March toward game one against Alabama officially starts in terms of practicing, um, So, yeah, we will definitely have all the the practices covered and uh, it'll be fun to follow. So let's take a break now, Gabby. Um, And then after this break, we will get into some commitments that the Miami Hurricanes picked up on the recruiting trail this week. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. of when the commitments came in, right? So on Wednesday, uh, Miami picked up a commitment from three-star offensive lineman Valentia Carswell out of the state of Georgia. Gabby, I want to start with this because I think it's interesting. I find it interesting because uh, the way it happened, it, it was kind of like a quote-unquote old-school commitment, right? Yeah. Um, because Valentia is not big on social media at all. And so just take us through the timeline of how that commitment kind of took place, uh, on Wednesday.
1: Yeah. I mean, th- that was interesting, man. I, I never really haven't ex- hadn't experienced anything like that before. Um, you know, obviously in the morning, oh, we had a feeling first, like before anything that, you know, there was a good chance that that Carswell ended up in the class uh, David, I know both of us put in crystal balls early. Uh, maybe it was late last month uh, for him to eventually pick Miami. So we were feeling good about that. And then, uh, you know, Wednesday morning, the, the coaches tweets started sort of rolling in with the with all the flip with all like the flip, uh, you know, gifts and all that stuff. And because that's, his nickname, that's right? his nickname. Yeah, he goes by flip. Uh, so people were like, who's flipping? And it's like, no, nah, man, like this is what's going on. And I had a feeling that this kid just wasn't going to post anything because like, that's just sort of like the type of person that he is. So, I, I mean, I reached out to him and I was just like, Hey man, so like, what's going on? He's like, Oh yeah, I'm committed to Miami. I was like, all right, cool. Are you going to post it? And he was just like, no, like I'm not going to post it. I was like, all right, you, you want us to post it? And he was just like, yeah, yeah, you guys can, you guys can do it if you want. It was the most, it was the craziest thing. <laughs> like usually, you know, these kids want their moment. They don't like right. the pistol balls. They don't like all these different like. They want it to be on their terms and all that stuff.
0: And, and this is like, what, nine in the morning, right? This is
1: very early in the morning. So I kind of like take a step back and I'm just like, okay, like, let me wait and see just to make sure that I'm not going to like ruin this kid's moment. So right. I reached out to a few people just to make sure that like the way it, that it's going to go down is how it's going to go down and to make, make sure everyone was on the same page. And I guess by, I guess it was really late afternoon at this point.
0: Yeah, I think I, it was like maybe seven.
1: Yeah. It was like, it was like seven where like, I feel like I got the green light and just been like, and I was like, all right, let's just do this. Like, so it was, it it was an interesting, uh, like eight, eight or nine hours there where I was just like, know that this is going on. Like hoping someone else just doesn't say it before we do, because we have it all, but trying to be respectful of the kid and just like, you know, of, you know, the situation and all that stuff too. So. Uh, yeah. That, that was fun. That was fun. I, I hope I don't, I don't do that anymore. It's much easier the other way, <laughs> but uh, it, it was a cool experience for sure.
0: Yeah. It reminded me of when I recovered recruiting more on a day-to-day basis. Like that's just how uh, you did it with commitments. You know, you'd have to stay on the same page as the player and he would tell you like, yeah, go ahead and publish the story. Cause social media wasn't necessarily yeah. a thing yet. So it was interesting in that way. I'm sure honestly that the Miami coaching staff in a way loved it. Like they cut because football coaches don't like social media, right? Yeah. It's a distraction. So I think Carswell in a way, uh, you know, stock up on Carswell from a Miami Definitely. perspective, just cause he's like, yeah, I'm committed, but I don't want any attention for it. Yeah. Coaches love that stuff. So we talked about it a little bit in a video we, we put on the website, but, um, in your opinion, Gabby, you've, you've been able to marinate on a little bit more, you know, how big is this commitment? What do you think it means in general for the offensive line recruiting and just, you know, how good of a player is flip in your opinion?
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, he's pretty green right now, you know, again, a guy that's kind of making the transition from basketball to football, but I mean, he just has such, I mean, just such natural size, such uh, natural movement. Uh, Just like, you know, he's not, he's not super stiff or anything like that. Just seems to just like really carry his weight well and know how to sort of move around with his body. He seems just very comfortable. Uh, You know, just one of those guys that, again, I know we've talked about it before, uh, you know, a potential left tackle at Miami. Like, yeah. again, not not right, probably not right away. Not saying he's going to come in here and oh yeah, yeah fill, fill in any spot or anything like that. But I think down the road, you know, once he, you know, grows as a technician at the position, learns the position more because there's still a lot of room to grow there. Uh, I think that he has the tools to potentially, you know, protect Jake Garcia, Jacurry Brown or whoever it is the quarterback is at Miami at that time. Uh, you know, whenever it is his sort of time to sort of step into the rotation. But I do think he's that type of talent where, you know, again, just like they don't just like make him like that, you know, 6'7", right. 275, uh, just naturally gifted again, just with like with just like how he just operates and stuff. And again, has that mentality again, where it's not going to be about social media. He's just going to go in there and work and just like refine. And, you know, to be able to sort of develop under Garen Justice, who's done a really, really good job here at Miami, I think is only a plus for him. And, you know, I think, I really do think he projects really well at the next level.
0: Yeah. So I agree. Like, I do think he is like, if he does end up signing with Miami joins the roster, right. I do think he's kind of the clear left tackle of the future. Um, so we could, we can have a discussion here about this, right. There are tackle young tackle bodies, well, let's just go through it. Right. So, uh, John Campbell, right? I would project him as the starting left tackle next year. Um, assuming Zion Nelson has a good year is an NFL draft pick, like a lot of people are projecting, he moves on after the season. I think John Campbell would be the starting left tackle next year as a red shirt junior. And so, you know, that's one or two more years with John Campbell Um, in terms of the young players, the young offensive tackles Miami has on the roster, I think you have to highlight, um, Michael McLaughlin who, um, they signed in last year's class, right? He's another guy that's six foot seven has good length. Tell me if you agree with this. I kind of view Michael as a right tackle. Do you agree with that? Or do you think he has the athleticism to be a left?
1: Uh, I, I view him on the right side. I think that, I think that's a fair projection for him.
0: Okay, and then you look at Chris Washington, who was a freshman last year. He's also six foot seven, right? So good length there as well. He he's going to be a developmental guy too. So I kind of view him more as a right tackle as well. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't think Chris Washington's a left tackle type.
0: Now, I do. The the one wild card in this, you know, projecting the left tackle spot to me is Isaiah Walker, right? I think he has the athleticism to play left tackle down the road. Now, I don't really want to get into the details of any of this, but Isaiah has to work through some stuff in his life. Uh, I'm not sure how much he's really been around the team. Uh, recently, you know, I think it's, he's not in trouble or anything like that. I'm not saying that, but I just don't know how much, uh, he's really been focusing on football over the past year. Um, I think he's kind of getting some other things in order in his life. And, And look, if, if he does get back to the point where he can focus on football, um, you know, I think he has the talent to, uh, compete for a starting left tackle job. Um, but at this point, you know, he, he still has a ways to go in terms of rising up the the depth chart. Um, so, you know, I think Carswell is a guy who is, um, kind of should be viewed as the left tackle of the future. Maybe the guy, if you can get two more years out of John Campbell after this year, I think the the think the thought process would be grooming Falenthea to to take over, uh, for John Campbell, which would be Falenthea. I think his what third season.
1: Yeah, I think at probably the college be, level, technically probably like his redshirt sophomore year, which I right. think is a, which I think is a fair. I, I think that's a fair developmental expectation for him, right? Like, right. You know, just again as a guy this is going to be his first year playing football. So in your fourth year playing football, you're at the starting left tackle at Miami. I think that's a I think that's a fair sort of track for him.
0: And I do know like a lot of people I've spoken to are very excited about the potential of flip. Right. I think, look, there's going to be a ways to go. He's never really played football. Right. But he has a bounce to him, which is rare for, you know, a six foot seven, 270 pound human. There's just like a natural athleticism there to develop and mold. And quite frankly, I think there's a chance Miami could be getting a steal here um, just because I don't know how many six foot seven, 270 pound athletic offensive tackles are in America for this 200 for this 2022 cycle. Right. But Miami got one of them to commit. And in general, look that this, this is the type of offensive tackle Miami needs to recruit Miami needs to try and get, it worked out for Zion Nelson, who, you know, similar kind of story. He was skinnier coming out and he is slightly shorter at six foot five, but it's a similar trajectory in terms of athleticism and development. So overall, I think the addition of Flip is an underrated one and a big one for the Hurricanes. Anything else to add?
1: No, I think you nailed it, David. I, think, I I do think it's ultimately going to be a steal, even potentially by signing day. I think we'll we'll see that. Uh, you know, I think that I I wouldn't be surprised if more schools ended up coming calling after they see him a senior year. But you know, I think Miami. I think Miami landed a good one of him.
0: Was I awkward enough with talking about Isaiah Walker? I just I knew like I had to mention him and like yeah, you know, it's just a situation we will monitor during fall camp, Definitely. right? Yeah. So just- we'll we'll see if he's out there that. Yeah. Um, so on Friday, the day we are recording now, Justin Medlock, uh, three-star linebacker out of Manville, Texas gave his pledge to the Hurricanes. So that's number six, I believe for the class, um, first linebacker to jump in the boat, key position of need for this cycle. Um, what's your take on this commitment? Why, what type of player is Miami getting in Medlock?
1: Yeah, you know, I I talked to Medlock's high school coach, uh, Kevin Allen, and you know, he he was just raving about the type of guy that Justin Medlock is. You know, he came to the program as a sophomore in what he calls a complex defense, one that's not too far off of what Miami runs now. And you know, he collected 117 tackles. He called him the leader of the defense. You know, as a sophomore, and uh, you know, I think he probably would have had a big season in 2020 as well had he not suffered, you know, like a minor knee injury that sort of sidelined him after his third game of the season. But, you know, talking to him, I mean, it seems like Miami is just getting a really instinctual kid, a really high IQ guy that's, you know, going to have, you know, not going to have a very big learning curve, you know, getting to Miami and sort of, you know, adapting to that defense and into the college game. A guy that, you know, he believes is just like a modern linebacker in terms of the way he operates and moves, you know, sideline to sideline, you know, a guy that, you know, he's going to hit, he's coach that he's going to hit you in the mouth. And, uh, you know, I think Miami's getting a, you know, just the type of linebacker that they've seen. It it just seems like this, the type of guy that they sort of identify with. Right. I mean, I know we talked about it on the video portion, but you know, the Corey flag types, uh, even the Tyree Austin cave that had like 132 tackles his senior year, uh, the Deshaun Trout wins. Like, you know, it just seems like this is sort of like their type at linebacker. Again, maybe just the guys that are going to, you know, come in and just know what they're doing on Saturdays, you know, guys that are going to be able to come in here and, just be able to play naturally because they have a great understanding of the scheme and of what it is that they're expected to do. So, you know, I think that again, yeah. And also you look at the level of competition, he's doing this in Houston, Texas, which is obviously one of the most talent rich areas in the continental United States uh, in terms of producing high school talent. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a big deal. And the fact that he's been able to do it there, uh, I think has Miami pretty excited about him.
0: Yeah. It's interesting in a way, cause you touched on it, but um you know, let's be real, right? Medlock, it, while he is instinctual, he has impressive tackle stats, which I do think translates to the college level, right? He's not the biggest linebacker. Um, but I, I, in a way, just the recent trend that we've kind of seen with Miami's linebacker recruiting, it seems like they're willing, and we'll see how this works out, but it seems like they're willing to trade maybe some, some size um, for instincts, slash tackle production slash ability to play in space. Um, and, you know, medlock comes from Texas where it's a lot of air raid type offenses out there uh, at the high school level. So, and that's becoming more and more common throughout college football, more and more common in the ACC. So the ability to play in space um, is is a must quite frankly for, for modern linebackers. And while medlock, yeah, he's not the biggest guy I know in the database, I think he's listed at six foot one. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if he's six foot one. Um, but he does, like I said, he does tackle a lot. Uh, you mentioned it as a sophomore before he got hurt during his junior season as a sophomore, 117 tackles. Right. And, again, I do think tackle it. Tackling is a stat that translates. Um, so, and again, you look at last year, they took the Sean Troutman, similar guy that maybe isn't the biggest linebacker, uh, but he has a nose for the football and and he, he plays relatively well in space. Uh, Corey flag was the same guy in high school, Tyreek Austin cave, same guy in high school. Now, I do think it's interesting too, because like last cycle, they did add. So like a Tyler Johnson, right. Who has the physical measurables. um, But he mainly played as like an edge rusher in high school. Correct. Gabby. Yeah. So, and, and he's more of an outside linebacker. Whereas these guys we've listed are inside guys. So, but still, it'll be interesting to contrast how a guy like Tyler Johnson develops compared to these, these smaller guys that might be more instinctual. You know, I'm, I'm curious how like a guy like chase Smith, who I think right now they, they might view more as a striker, but I think could grow into an outside linebacker. Uh, he's got the measurables, right. Um, does he have the instincts, et cetera? So it's interesting to me. I, I, I like, I'm okay with the take. Um, but I do, I do think, Miami still like Wesley Besant is a must get in this class because he's a guy that while he's not he's not the biggest linebacker either, he's still he still has good size. He's still he like I think he's a legit six foot one. He's on the thinner side, but I think he can get to two twenty five, uh, pretty comfortably at, at the college level. And he moves very well. He has all the physical attributes you you could want. So, um, We will see how the development of the linebacker position goes. And I'll say this too. I think Miami likes their young linebackers. They do. So um, are they going to be able to make an impact this year? We'll see outside of Corey flag. I'm not sure. Um, But I think in the long run, they feel good about that group. Um, Is there anything else you want to touch on with Justin?
1: No, I think we I think we touched about on just about everything there. So, uh, I mean, I, I I like to take, um, you know, i just talking to him. You could tell he's a good kid with like, a, sure. you know, just like a motivated guy and just like really wants to bounce back and just talking to people. They, they're expecting big things from him as a senior. So uh, yeah. definitely just continue to watch and see how he sort of, you know, ha- plays in a full season, probably a more normal season, you know, that isn't riddled by COVID and all, hopefully not uh, riddled by COVID or this Delta variant or whatever it is. So, right. um, yeah, man, I think, uh, I think what, we see from him as a senior is going to be very telling. So hopefully it looks a lot of, a lot like what we saw from him as a sophomore.
0: So Miami is now at six commitments. Um, let's wrap this pot up here. Uh, so I think Miami's in the mix, right. Might be able to get some more commitments by the let's just call it the start of preseason camp right so august 6th um can miami get to let's just say two more can miami get to eight commitments in your opinion by august 6th
1: yeah i think so yeah I, i could i could definitely see miami picking up at least two more
0: can they get to 10
1: can they get to 10 by august 6th yeah um Nah, I I wouldn't say 10, but I would feel very comfortable saying eight.
0: Okay. yeah. So eight would be, again, they're taking a patient approach. Eight would be a solid number at the start of fall camp. Maybe you pick up more during the month of August. Maybe they get to that 10 mark by the start of the season when September rolls around. So let's get out of here with that. um, We will have another podcast here. I guess recruiting is going to open up here, right? During this last week of July. So we'll have plenty to talk about with that in our next podcast. I appreciate all you guys listening. Uh, Thanks Gabby for the great job that you do. And until next time, take care guys. Later.